0: did not already know this, today is Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day. I want to share some interesting superstitions with you about Valentine's Day. Um, Came across these as I was preparing for this morning. Um, Several of them. Here's one. On Valentine's Day, the first guy's name you read in the paper or here on the TV or radio will be the name of the man that you will marry. If you see a squirrel on Valentine's Day, you will marry a cheapskate who will hoard all your money. No elbow punch in here, please. Um if you see a goldfinch on Valentine's Day, you will marry a millionaire. If you see a robin on Valentine's Day, you will marry a crime fighter. So I don't know there if there's a Batman that goes with that or not. I'm not sure. If you see a flock of doves on Valentine's Day, you will have a happy, peaceful marriage. If you find a glove on the road on Valentine's Day, your future beloved will have the original missing glove. So just some superstitions there. Take them, do what you want with them. Um, this morning, we're beginning week six of our Believe series. And I hope that you have enjoyed this series as much as I have. Over the past five weeks so far, if you're visiting with us, this is what we've been studying over the past five weeks. We've looked at God, how the God of the Bible is the one true God. We've looked at how our God is a personal God. We've looked at salvation, how one can enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Week four, we looked at the Word, and kind of our catchphrase that week was that um, the Word of God is more than just ink on a page. It is breath on a page. And then last week, we looked at our identity in Christ, and our focal passage was 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says, if you are in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. And this morning, we're going to be looking at The church. And, um, I'm excited about our, our message this morning. I will tell you this. Of the ones that we've looked at so far, this is the one that I've struggled with the most. Um, not because of our church, but just because of the church in the state of the church today in America. There are so many misconceptions when it comes to the church. Here are just a few of those. The church is a building. The church is an event the church is where we get our needs met. The church is only one day a week. Church is a place for perfect people to go to. Church is where I earn God's approval. Church is where I get to connect with God. Church is optional. You know, growing up, I admit, I thought church was a building, uh, a place with bricks and mortar where I would attend at least twice a week to hang out with my friends and, and study the Word of God. That was church to me. It was a building. It was a social event. It was very much a place where I went to connect with friends and to connect with God. It was not until I became a pastor and really started studying God's Word, really started studying the church, that I realized that church is so much more than just a building. It's so much more than just an event on my social calendar. The church is an organism Just like the word of God is living and active, so is the church. It is living. It is active. It is organic. We as the church represent the body of Christ. And if we are the body of Christ, that means that Jesus Christ is the head of the body. He is the head of the church. A body of believers that we are a body of believers that have come together to have an encounter this morning with the living God by reading and studying his living word. The word translated church comes from a Greek word which means ekklesia. And this is a word which means an assembly or a congregation. It does not refer to a church with bricks and mortar. It refers to a local body of believers like we are, that's Friendship Baptist Church, or it's talking here about the universal church, the worldwide church in which we are connected with the worldwide church, um, those churches that are evangelical believers. Friendship Baptist Church is a local body of believers connected to the universal church under the headship of Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, he says that God made Jesus the head of the church. and in, in, in verses 23 to 23 it says, and he put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet. God did this. And he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and is all. In the Old Testament, God established a people called the Israelites. They were his people, and he was their God. When Jesus came, he made it clear that his church would be comprised of not only the Israelites, but his church would make up every nation under Heaven Jesus made it clear that his church would be an impenetrable future for, fortress he said that the gates of hell would not be able to prevail against the church church you and I we are something we are a part of something so much bigger than any one of us individually could be or be a part of on our own we are a part of the body of Christ and we are joined together because of our salvation in Jesus Christ, because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are the physical representation of Christ in this world today. We are his hands and we are his feet. We are his mouthpieces. We are the ones he has chosen to accomplish his purpose amongst the people of this world. We are a gifted group of people. I want you to know that this morning. You are a gifted group of people. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then God's word makes it clear that every single one of us have gifts. Every one of us has a part within the body of Christ. We read in 1 Corinthians twelve twelve. it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. All of us are members of the body of Christ. We are members of this local body. If we're members of Friendship Baptist Church, then we are members of the greater body. Of of the church as well. As a church, Friendship Baptist Church, our mission statement is to glorify God by becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I pray that if you are a member of this church, this is something that you have already committed to memory. You know, we've been looking at this um, periodically over the past several months since we introduced this purpose statement to us. But our our, our prayer as a faith body is that we are going to glorify God in all that we do. And we are going to be a body of believers that are fully devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our core values come from Acts chapter 2, the first church. And our prayer for this church is that we will be a church, first of all, that at our foundation um, we place all of our, our hope and all of our weight on the word of God. And if you remember, when we hear the word, it gets into our head. When we discover the word, it gets into our heart, and when we apply the word, it gets into our hands, and when the word of God gets into our hands, guess what happens? It gets in the hands of other people because we're going and we're mobilized, and we're about advancing the kingdom of God. As a church, um, fellowship is essential to who we are. Community is important, and we're going to focus on community in just a few minutes, but prayer is important. We want to pray big, audacious prayers as a faith family. We believe that the only way revival is going to come to this church and to this community is if we pray for revival and we pray for God to do supernatural things within our fellowship. We want to be a generous church. We want to be generous individually and corporately with the things that God has given us, with those resources. We want to worship in spirit and truth, and we want to be about the Great Commission, about evangelism. The first church, Scripture says that the Lord added to their numbers every single day. Can you imagine if the Lord added to our numbers every single day those that were being saved? Man, that's my prayer. You know, we are a church that we are a scattered group of people. We have people that live all over Collin County. I do not believe that is by accident that God has has assembled all of us together as the body of Christ. I really believe that there is going to be come a day when all over this county people are getting saved as a result of the work of Friendship Baptist Church, the result of this local body of believers being mobilized, scattered, and about the advancement of the Great Commission. The early days of this first church was a very sweet time. I'm not sure if there's ever been a church that functioned as this first church did. They were truly one church that cooperated as one body. We see this as we read through the first chapters of the book of Acts. However, that would be short-lived. If you've read through the book of Acts, you know that there comes, um, Acts chapter 6. And in Acts chapter 6, there was dissension in the church. And so the apostles brought together the disciples and they, um, they, they realized that they had a problem. What the problem was is there was the, the Greek, um, Hellenistic Jews, the Greek speaking Jews, and then there was the, um, the Hebrew speaking Jews, um, the Greek speaking Jews, felt like their um, widows were being taken advantage of. They were being neglected. And so that became an issue. And so this church, what they did is the leaders came together, the disciples came together, and they recognized the problem. What did they do? They fixed the problem. They, they elected servant leaders deacons in the church, and then what did the leadership do? They got back to the study and the preaching of the word of God. We see here in Acts chapter 6-7, it says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. As a church, you and I will be faced with challenges. If you have been a part of the universal church, Church, because you're a believer in Jesus Christ or you have been a part of a local body of believers, you know that the church is an imperfect place full of imperfect people that have been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. We are not a perfect bunch of people. I pray that if troubles do come our way, that we will not sweep those under the rugs, but we will address those immediately so that we can get back to the business of the church which is being the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have a mission. Our mission is to know Christ and to advance his kingdom on this earth. We have been called to go. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, we've been called to go and make disciples. We've been called to go and preach the word of God. And when we have converts, those that come to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of the ministry um, that we have been a part of, then we are to get them baptized. So we've been called to go. Jesus, one of the last thing he, he left his disciples with was Acts chapter 1a. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in all of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. You and I have been called to go. Our message point this morning is this. The church is God's primary way to accomplish his purposes on earth. God accomplishes His purposes on earth today through His church, through men and women like us that have surrendered our lives over to Jesus Christ. God accomplishes his purposes through us. The Bible says, and we read, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4. So turn with me, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. So grab that, and we want to read this passage of Scripture together this morning. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. We read this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets You know, knowing that Christ is the head of the church and that we, uh, and that He is our foundation by which we do everything, I want us to look this morning at a few foundations of the church. Now, this is not a comprehensive list by no means, but I do want to focus on three different components this morning of the church. The first thing is this the foundation of a great church is community. The foundation of a great church is community. We read here in, in in Ephesians 4:11 um and 12 it says and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. The foundation of a great church is community. And community happens best when the body of Christ comes together for discipleship, for worship, for teaching, for prayer, and for fellowship. The way we do community as a church, as Friendship Baptist Church, we do community on Sunday mornings through growth groups, or if you're familiar with The traditional model, we call it Sunday schools. You call it whatever you would like to call it. But on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we come together for community, for the breaking of the word of God around this campus in small rooms. So we have growth groups. We have discipleship groups that happen on Wednesday and occasionally throughout the week. We have men's groups that meet. At this time, we've got two different men's groups that meet. Um, one meets here in Fairview, one meets in in, in, in Murphy, one meets on Tuesday morning, the other meets on Thursday morning. And then we also have women's groups that meet. We have one that meets on um, the second Thursday of every month. And then we have a new one that will be launching soon. We also have age group ministries that meet on both Wednesdays and Sundays. This is how we connect together as a body of believers We also use this room on Sunday morning for discipleship and equipping. You know, I'll be the first one to tell you that this room should not be the primary room you use for the equipping um, because within this room we do not do community very well. Okay, This room is not designed for community. This room is the room where we come together to sit under the teaching of God's word. This is the room that we come together to pray and to worship and to observe the ordinances like we have this morning with the Lord's Supper as well as baptism. We do greet one another, but that is in a limited scope. You do not get to know one another in this room. You are not held accountable in this room. We do not know your hurts and pains within this room. Community is important. Community is essential to the body of Christ. That is why we constantly encourage you over and over, if you're not connected to a small group, get connected to a small group because in that small group, that's where you are known and you are able to know other people. You know, the first church did community well. The first church did community well. Acts chapter 2 in verses 46 and 47 we read that in day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This first church met daily. They began their day by meeting corporately together, and then they scattered out around Jerusalem for fellowship for the breaking of bread, for discipleship, and for prayer. My prayer for this church is that we have many more organic um, meeting groups that happen outside of the walls of this church throughout the week. We have men's groups, we have women's groups, we have family groups, we have home groups, because that is the biblical model for discipleship that we find here in the first church. You know, I have a cousin who moved to England when she got out of school to become a nanny. Um, while she was over there, she met herself a British man. This uh, man, his name is Andy, and they live right on the border of Scotland and England. And I'll never forget the first time that we met him. Um, he opened up his mouth and he began to talk in a very, very rich Scottish accent. And the first thing I wanted to say to him was, man, you're from England. Learn the language. Um, he, he just, I, we couldn't understand him. But somehow that first meeting, as we were talking together, I do not know how we got on this topic. But he was talking about England. He was talking about his country. And he said that every British man has two things. They have a bookie and they have a pub. And so I thought to myself, so you people like to gamble and drink beer. Those two things never go well together. All right, just so that you know that. Um, and so as we began to talk and, and as I thought more about um, Becky and Andy and their situation, I just remembered some of the trips that I've taken to England over the years. You know, England is an amazing country, but England is a country that has, that, um, has abandoned God. I mean, churches that once were overflowing, today sit empty. There's only a handful of people that show up in, um, to these churches. Some of these churches have been sold and turned into pubs. Some of these churches now are being sold and turned into mosque. The church of England was once, um, uh, the church in England, not the church of England, but the church in England was one of the most thriving churches in all of the world. Some of the greatest revivals that have ever swept across our land and across this world were birthed out of churches in England. And today, many of those churches sit empty. Many have been sold. People left the church for a variety of reasons. But you know what did not leave the people? The need to connect. The people of England still connect in community together. They just don't do it in a local church setting. Today they connect in community together in bars all across England. And we see that all across Europe. Why are they connecting because they have that internal need to belong to a group of people that they can share their hurts and share their pains and share their their needs with and celebrate and laugh and cry together. Several years ago, probably back in the 80s, I don't remember when this was, but there was a sitcom on TV called Cheers. And many of you remember that theme song because it was such a catchy theme song. The the chorus of that was, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see the troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. The church needs to be a place where people know who you are, and you know who other people are. We come to church so that we connect together in community. We come together so that we can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come together in community so that we can receive sound biblical doctrine according to Ephesians 4.14. We need to find a church where sound biblical doctrine is taught so you can be grounded in your faith. We need to be a part of a church where fellowship occurs. Acts 2.42, that happened there. In Romans 15.14, we see that we need to be a part of a church where instruction is offered. In Ephesians 4.32, we see that we need to find a church where forgiveness is offered as well. Where we are able to be forgiven as well as able to forgive other people. 1 John 4, seven. The church needs to be a place of love where we're able to love one another. And In Romans 12:15, church needs to be a place where hurts are expressed. Romans 12:15 says rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Real pain and real hurts within real hearts happen in this place every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, every time those doors are open. People come in here with hurts and pains, and many of you have those hurts and have those pains. This is not a place where hurts are to be harbored, but it needs to be a place where hurts can be expressed. Faith family, please take time to pray for one another. When you see somebody hurting, take time to pray for them right there, on the spot, you know, a couple of weeks ago during our welcome time, a sweet lady in our fellowship, Peggy McDonald, I was walking down this aisle just shaking hands, greeting one another, and she came to me, and I just looked at her face, and I just saw hurt and pain written all over it. This is what I heard her say. She, I heard this. Now, it was a lo- noisy room, so that's this isn't exactly what she said. But I heard her say, I have stage four cancer." And when she said that, I just said, let's pray right now. People were going all around us. I prayed for her. Now, after I prayed for her, she did correct me. She said, no, no, I don't have stage four cancer, but, but my goddaughter has stage four cancer. A dear friend of hers that, that she has just been doing life with for a long time has stage four cancer. Her name is Tammy. And so she shared with me Tammy's name, and I've been praying for Tammy regularly during the week. If I wouldn't have seen Peggy's face and recognized her hurt, I would have never asked her what was going on. You and I, when we see people in the hallways of this church, when we see people out in this community, and we see hurt and we see pain, we need to immediately ask them what's going on and pray for them right there on the spot. Accountability needs to happen within the church as well. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We need each other. That is why the foundation of a great church is community. Second point that I want us to see this morning is the foundation of a great church is Christian maturity. We read in Ephesians four, fifteen through 16, it says this, But Christian maturity must happen. Two weeks ago when we looked at the word of God, uh, I shared, and I'm going to keep reminding us of this. Okay, the word of God is more than just ink on a page. It is breath on a page. God's word is living and active. It has been given To us for the purpose of growth and instruction. You and I need to feast upon the word of God every single day. We need to be a praying group of people. We need to daily be growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we feast on the word, when we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, God will use us in supernatural ways. We must move beyond the child ways that were once present during the early days of our conversion and we must move toward maturity. We must talk like mature Christians. We must act like mature Christians. We must become, as a body of believers, both corporately and individually, we must become a force to be reckoned with. We need to grow in God's grace. We need to mature um, in all areas of our life. This morning, my daughter is in extended care, and she is teaching The kids down there, a song that most of us, if we grew up in the church, learn. The song, Father Abraham. How many of you know the song, Father Abraham? Because Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. You do the right arm. You shake it around. And then you go to the left arm. You shake it around. And eventually, right foot, left foot, whole body, shake Shake the head around. I mean, you're just dancing basically. And as Baptists, we don't believe in that. So I don't know why we're allowing that to happen down there in that part of the building. But but Father Abraham, that's a song that I grew up on. Man, I think that my youth minister growing up, that was his favorite song, because it seems like we did that all the time together. But you and I Must grow beyond the immature things of the faith. We must grow beyond Father Abraham. And aren't you glad when we come together and we worship together that we're not singing Father Abraham? Aren't you glad that we're singing about God's amazing grace and God's amazing love? We must mature as believers in Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 14.20 we read, Brothers, do not be Children in your thinking be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. If you have been a believer for an extended period of time, then you should have graduated from childlike thinking unto mature Thinking, We read in Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You and I must move beyond infancy as believers, beyond the milk, beyond just being people that received the word. We must move to solid food. So that no longer are we just receivers of the word, but we are oracles of the word. We speak the truth and we teach those that are immature in their faith. There's a bamboo plant called the Chinese bamboo. This bamboo produces little outward growth for the first four years of its life. It is puny and pitiful above ground. However, underground, there is something powerful happening. Underground, um, the, the root system is growing wide, and it is growing deep, and it is growing strong. So the first four years of this plant's life, it is just a, a measly, pitiful plant. But something happens in that fifth year. In the fifth year, this Chinese bamboo grows 80 feet. Can you imagine that? 80 feet. Growth does not happen overnight. Christian growth does not happen overnight. But hear me, it must happen. We must grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We must allow our faith to grow deep, to grow wide, to be strong at its base so that we can grow tall and begin to preach, teach, go and, and lead other people that we come in contact with. For some of you in this room, it's time to grow in your faith. It's time to mature from milk to solid food. The third thing that I want to see this morning, and we're closing here, the foundation of a great church is a bold witness. In Matthew 16, we read about a time when Jesus took his disciples to a city called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi can best be described as a jacked up city. If you've ever studied this city, you know that it was a jacked-up city. It was 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It was a center of worship for many different gods over the years. There was the god Bel that was worshipped there. There was the Greek god of Pan that was worshipped there. Caesar himself was worshipped there. If you were to arrive in Caesarea Philippi, I, I've been there a couple of times, and when you arrive... Um, to this ancient city, um, you walk up this pathway and you come and you see this large outcropping of rocks. And at the bottom of those rocks, there's this giant cave. And this cave um, was once called the gate to hell. Pagans believed that caves were the gates to the underworld. They were literally gates to hell. It would be within those caves that some of the most despicable practices ever performed on planet Earth occurred. There were animal sacrifices that happened there. There were human Sacrifices that happened there. There was devil worship, pagan worship, all kinds of despicable things that happened within those caves and within this town of Caesarea Philippi. So you would have the gate to hell. Then not only that, but there were other gods that were worshipped as well. And so this place was a place where all of the most vile people would come to find worship. And it would be in this place, that, in this city, that Jesus would travel with his disciples 25 miles, and he would walk and weave his way through all of the debauchery that was happening there. Then he brought his disciples before the gates to hell, and he had this conversation with them. We read in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. and um, We read this, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he says, Who do people say that I that the Son of Man is? They said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You know, Jesus at this moment with his disciples are pointing them ahead to the day when the church would be established. He's telling his disciples that when his church is established, the gates of hell would not prevail against it. We know that his church did come into being it happened as we read in Acts chapter one and two. It happened when um, the 120 were together in the upper room. The Holy Spirit came, fell on them. They left the upper room. They went into the city and they began to preach and prophesy about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. Peter stands up before all of these people and he begins to preach the word of God. Probably one of the most powerful sermons ever preached on that day. Three thousand people came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and all On that day, the church of Jesus Christ was established. When the Holy Spirit rested upon the believers and the church was established, guess what God did? God moved mightily within that local body of believers, within that church in Jerusalem. The early church experienced explosive growth. They experienced some of the sweetest fellowship that you can have with other believers. They witnessed supernatural miracles, and they prayed big, audacious prayers. And you know what else they did? They were bold witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in Acts chapter 431, we read, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. My prayer for this local body of believers is that one day we experience the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit like this early church did. That when we pray together, the, the foundation of this building will shake. My prayer for this fellowship, for this local body of believers, is that we will scatter all around these cities. And we scatter knowing that we are the agents that Christ has chosen to use to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ on this earth. So we must be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we must be the mouthpieces of Jesus as well that preach the word of God wherever we go. In closing, Romans 10, 14 through 15. Paul wrote this. He said, How will then then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who pre- preach the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You and I all have been called to go and advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us have been called and mobilized to be the church. My prayer for this church is that we will be a church that lives together in community. We will be a church that daily is maturing and growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we will be a church that as we scatter, we will be bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. This morning... As we come to the conclusion and as we enter into a time of imitation, you may be here this morning and you may recognize that you're not connected um, to the universal church, okay? You're not connected to the universal church because you have never come to the point in your life where you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, you do not know where you would spend eternity. If that is you, if you don't know for 100% certainty where you would spend eternity if you were to die today, then in just a moment we're going to have a time of invitation. When we stand standing here at the front. If there is a decision that you need to make, if you need to come to faith in Jesus Christ, if you need to repent of your sins and cry out to Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, then I invite you to come. Because there's no greater decision that you could ever make on planet earth than to surrender your life over to Jesus Christ. You were created to know God. You were created to enter into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You were created for eternity. So if eternity is not in your heart today, then this morning I invite you to come. If you're here this morning and you've been visiting this church for a while, this local body of believers, and you're realizing, man, God's calling us to be a part of this faith family, we invite you to come to join Friendship Baptist Church. I'll be here at the front to receive you if you would like to do that this morning. This morning you may need to come and just kneel at this altar and just admit, man, that that right now, your relationship is not where it needs to be with the Lord. If You could best be described as the wayward child. It's time to come home this morning. It's time to run back to the feet of the Father, to the feet of Jesus, and surrender your life to him and say, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. Use me. I don't know what decision you need to make, but we're going to stand together. I'm going to lead us into a, a time of prayer, and then I invite you to come. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come before you now. Father, thanking you for the privilege of being in your house this morning. Thanking you for the privilege of looking at and studying the church. Father, what we know about the church is that it is organic. It is alive. It is living. Father, we are the body of Of Christ, and you are our head. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray like never before, as a local body of believers, we will be connected to you. And as we are connected to you, Lord Jesus, we know, Father, that you are going to guide us, you are going to lead us, you are going to tell our right hand what to do, our left hand what to do, our mouth what to do. And so, Lord Jesus, may we be connected to you like never before so that we can be obedient and live like never before. Lord Jesus, if there is someone here this morning that has never surrendered their life over to you to be their Lord and Savior, Father. May today be the day that they do that. Lord, just speak to them. Make it so abundantly clear that they need you. And Father, it will be my privilege, Lord Jesus, to be able to share with them how they can experience eternal life with you. So if they're here, Father, I pray that they will come. Father, if there's some here that has been, visiting this church for a while, and this is a day that you would bring them to be a part of this faith family, I pray that they come. Lord Jesus, if there's some here this morning that needs to just come to this altar and get right with you, I pray that they'll do that. They may need to come to this altar and pray for somebody specifically. Father, just move during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.